Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So first, a big thank you to everyone yesterday who donated to our Leukemia and Lymphoma Society fundraiser. We are really, really close to our quarter million dollar goal. Thank you so much. Bongino.com slash LLS. You all are awesome. Best audience in the business. Hands down. Thank you very much. I want to make sure I get that out of the way. I'll thank you again later. And some people who donated a, a lot of money, including, listen, if you donated a dollar or $10,000, I still deeply appreciate it. But really, uh, you all made our day yesterday. It was, uh, it's a worthy cause. I got a couple of questions, though, important ones today that you're going to, um, you're going to want to kind of chew on a little bit. Like, what is an insurrectionist? No, what's the actual definition of that to you? Because the definition matters. Because as I suggested to you a few weeks ago and a couple months ago, the definition of what that word means is going to be critical to the Democrats' plan to keeping Trump off the ballot. I'm serious. And you'll see what I'm talking about with this New York Times article coming up in a minute. And other Republicans as well. But it's weird how the definition changes when the same terminology they use is applied to Democrats. Strange. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, folks, let's go. Ah, oh, you hit the bell before. That's the first time. That was a reverse order bell, right? But good. Joe's anticipating. He's yes. reading my mind. So this is a critical question. What is an insurrectionist and why does it matter? I had warned you a while ago that the Democrats were going to use these very specific tools to try. They are terrified of a Trump run again coming up in 2024. Uh, they are also terrified of of, of MAGA candidates um, and conservative candidates are not always, you know, the same thing. Sometimes they pick, a, you know, there's different people running in different races, right? But they want to keep these people off the ballot because they're afraid Trump is going to win again. And one of the tools they're going to use is the 14th Amendment. Here we go. I, I Again, you're not wasting your time here. January 25th, 2022, New York Times. Uh, Congressman Madison Cawthorn challenge, uh, 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 Cawthorn challenge raises the question. Who is an insurrectionist? There is a Democrat-led effort to try to keep Republican Congressman Madison Cawthorn off the ballot. The claim they're making, which I'll get to in a minute with, uh, with, with quotes and screenshots from the article here, is that he's an insurrectionist, and insurrectionists, according to the 14th Amendment, shouldn't be allowed to run for office. Now, this is a test run. This is a test. Listen, the verdict is in. I'm telling you, Dan Bongino's right. Mark the date. Wednesday, January 26th, and I just shamefully talked about myself in the third person. But it's okay in this case, maybe. They are doing a test run on Cawthorn, Cawthorn because they think it's an easier target. If this works for them and they can keep him from running, calling him an insurrectionist, they will then apply it to Trump in 2024. Mark the date. Here, from the New York Times Flag piece. It. 
Yeah, you got it. Joe's got it. Joe's got a log. He keeps yeah. all this stuff. Seriously, he's got a, a group of lawyers is working to disqualify from the ballot a right wing House Republican who cheered on the January 6th rioters unless he can prove he is not an insurrectionist. Well, that seems kind of weird. That's yeah. it. I thought it was innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. Not with Democrats. Um he would be disqualified by the Constitution for dis, uh, from holding office in a case with implications for other office holders and potentially former President Donald J. Trump. Oh, give away the game. Give away the game in the first paragraph. Right there. The first paragraph is right there. Listen, folks, they don't give a damn about Madison Cawthorn. Let me be honest with you. They don't care. Y you shake some trees. You have pretty good sources. We do. This is solely being used as a trial run to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. How? How? Well, it depends on what your definition of the word insurrectionist is, because if you go down in the piece, you'll find that these group of liberal lawyers are trying to keep Republicans off the ballot using the 14th Amendment. Quote, New York Times. This case revolves around the little-known third section of the 14th Amendment adopted during Reconstruction to punish members of the Confederacy who were streaming back to Washington to reclaim their elective offices and infuriating unionist Republicans. The section of the 14th Amendment declares that, quote, no person shall hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath to support the Constitution, had then engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemy uh, to the uh, enemies, excuse me, thereof. You see what they're doing here? They're taking a 14th Amendment provision after the Civil War designed for the express purposes we just told you about, and they're expanding the definition of an insurrectionist to anybody who was questioning the electoral outcome in the, in the 2020 election. Now, that's odd. Because if that definition of insurrection is questioning an electoral outcome, right, which is clearly what they're implying by doing this, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why they're going to expand this definition to include Trump as well. Why doesn't that include all of the people who questioned the 2016 election against Hillary Clinton? Yeah, uh, well, because they're all Democrats, of course. This is not a principal play. It's a partisan play. It's an act to keep Trump off the ballot because they're afraid he's going to win. But these are the questions you have to respond in return with. So does that include the people who questioned the Bush v. Gore election? Does that include the people who supported Antifa and BLM as they nearly burned down a courthouse in Portland, Oregon and stormed the White House? Uh, that Remember that? When, when Donald Trump, oh, bunker boy, when he was evacuated to the bunker and the left thought it was hilarious? What about that? Was that an insurrection? This is why I opened up the segment saying to you very clearly, You've got to get these people on the record as to what an insurrectionist really is. And then you take their definition and you apply it to them. Because if that's the definition they're talking about, it's applied to them as well. Here's hard evidence right here. So you had these Antifa BLM terrorists burning down American cities, blue liberal cities, burning down businesses, attacking people. In one case, there was a, there was a, uh, there were, there was a, a killing involved. There was a death. It was a, a murder. This is serious stuff. You had Antifa folks take over a portion of Seattle and declare it an autonomous chop zone by any definition of the word insurrection. That's it. And yet the vice president of the United States, as you can see from this New York Post article, 
bail fund backed by Kamala Harris, freed a Minneapolis man charged with murder, actually backed the Minnesota Freedom Fund, as you can see from her own tweet. There it is right there, Kamala Harris. She says, if you're able to chip in now to the Minnesota Freedom Fund to help post bail for those protesting on the ground in Minnesota. These were people who did not believe in the United States government. Antifa believes in fascism. That's their thing. They're an anti-First Amendment group. They claim to be otherwise. They are not. They're an anti-First Amendment group that hates free speech. You want to test that proposition? Go to an Antifa rally with a sign speaking about how bad Antifa is and watch how quickly they bear spray you and try to beat you to death. I thought they were a, I thought they were a free anti-fascism group. <laughs> you fell for that? Sorry if you're on the left. So is Kamala Harris an insurrectionist? If she's literally on her verified Twitter, not figuratively, blue, green, a blue check mark, whatever the hell it is now, orange check mark, whatever on Twitter, right? If Kamala Harris is trying to bail out people promoting an insurrection against established governments in the United States, and how is she not an insurrectionist? Folks, we're witnessing an ongoing psychological operation against us all, and it's an effort to divide the United States to steal away your civil liberties by turning one side of the country, liberal America, against us and seeing us as everything we're not. They have to overcome, as Michael Anton said in his piece we covered earlier in the week about this ongoing psychological operation, Americans' natural propensity to want to support free and open speech. We do. Censorship has a bad flavor to it. We're undergoing an ongoing psychological operation by people in the media and the left, whether they know it or not, whether they're useful idiots or not, that are trying to get half of America to believe the other side is worthy of being censored and politically targeted and to overcome that natural obstacle. This PSYOP is real. You doubt me? I want to play this video here. This is a former FBI official, a disgraced human being in every respect. I'll play a video of him coming up later showing you what a buffoon this guy is. This is Frank Fagazi. Frank Fagazi's on MSNBC, and I want you to listen very closely. This guy used to work at the FBI. I don't know what they're doing to screen people who make it into the upper levels of management at this really failing agency right now, but this guy's just left. This guy should be pulled off the air immediately for the, just the, 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 the embarrassment he's causing the FBI. So here's Fagazi with the ongoing PSYOP. Arguing again that hate in January 6th. Well, you listen to what he's arguing and tell me if this isn't a PSYOP. Check this out. I was involved in efforts to declassify intelligence about foreign terrorists targeting the same kinds of systems and critical infrastructure. It's surreal to read that about domestic threats. You know, when the head of the FBI says something like uh, the domestic threat is now equal to or greater than the international threat, we better pay attention to that because he's got the data and the intel in front of him. And that's essentially what he's been saying in public testimony. The the whole domestic terror movement, the domestic violent extremism movement is really based on two pillars, hate, uh, race and ethnic based hate. And that will throw in white nationalism there. And then the big lie, the deception and disinformation that they've been suckered into uh, accepting. You hear it? All the buzzwords there. Notice he wants to talk about domestic terror in context of race. Yet when we have CRT advocates actually pushing to discriminate against white children because of their skin color, he leaves that out. And he talks about white supremacy. Again, a buzzword on the left for 
conservatives, a ridiculous connection they make. This guy is a humiliating embarrassment to humankind. He is a former FBI official suggesting they expand the definition of domestic terrorism and by default insurrectionist to expand any one of a political ideology he doesn't like. And this guy worked at the FBI. Tell me again how we shouldn't be a little bit frightened about what's going on right now. It's only the most powerful law enforcement agent uh, agency, federal law enforcement agency, anywhere on planet Earth. Anywhere. This is the same guy, by the way, Fugazi. A nut. I mean, a really, really nutty dude. This was him a while. Remember this famous cut? Him talking about how the Trump White House had raised the flag on 8-8 because it was some coded talk to this these white supremacists, he says, are running around everywhere. Here, check this out. We have to understand the adversary and the threat we're dealing with. And if we don't understand how they think, we'll never understand how to counter them. So it's little things and language and messaging that matters. The president said that we will fly our flags at half mast until August 8th. That's 8-8. Now, I'm not going to imply that he did this deliberately, but I am using it as an example of the ignorance of the adversary that's being demonstrated by the White House. The numbers 8-8 are very significant in neo-Nazi and white supremacy movement. Why? Because the letter H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. And to them, the numbers 8-8 together stand for Heil Hitler. So we're going to be raising the flag back up uh, at dusk on 8-8. No one's thinking about this. No one's, no one's giving him the advice or he's rejecting the advice. So understand your adversary to counter the adversary. I love the line. Oh, man. what a! I mean, this guy's like Krusty the Clown. What a bonkers lunatic. And and the hilarious part about that, he says at the end, and no one's thinking about this. No one's thinking about it because it's the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard. You're an idiot. That's why no one's thinking about it. Maybe that's a clue. Like, no one's thinking about this. Why would no one be thinking about it? Because it's stupid that maybe that's why? This is Fugazi. Always obsessed with this phantom mass white supremacist threat around every corner. Why? He's not really obsessed with that. He wants to use it, the label white supremacist, just like the label insurrectionist, to make sure political enemies are censored, targeted, and kept off the ballot. I warned you about this. The left and their great reset are here right now. I'll be discussing this on my Fox show this weekend. We're moving to 9 o'clock, by the way. I, I, I'm sorry to keep telling you, but I don't want anyone to miss it. Unfiltered Saturday at 9. I'll be discussing this in a long monologue. James Lindsay, who you saw in that piece the other day, will be a guest on the show in the A Block, talking about this great reset, this year zero phenomenon, where they want to wipe out the history of the United States, the great history of the United States. Yeah, we got scars. Everybody understands that. But the great, wonderful history of this terrific constitutional republic, wipe it clean to start at year zero to make people and these young kids moldable in their new state-aligned agenda. And to do that, they've got to get everyone else censored and silenced. And the tools of tarring people with the white supremacy insurrectionist label are, are tools. The fact that this guy used to work at the FBI and is on with that just zero Nicole Wallace shows you the effort the coordinated effort to silence and shut you down. Folks, it's really, really deeply disturbing stuff. Speaking of the FBI, I'm going to move on to this story now. What the hell is going on in this Spygate case? We haven't discussed this in a long time, which is hard for me because you know I'm 
been obsessed with this case for a long time. Yeah. I wrote books on it. I just really enjoy it. I mean, Joe and I did shows for weeks and months about oh. this because I, I just really enjoyed the case. But there haven't been a lot of huge breaks up until yesterday. I'm going to get to that in a second. Let me get to my second sponsor. I want to show you a court filing by Special Prosecutor John Durham that if it doesn't open your eyes, your eyes are in, they're sewed shut. They're incapable of being open. I'm sorry. How just god-awful right now the federal government the upper levels of our law enforcement, the federal government, our intel community, are we just need a complete house cleaning. I'll get to that in a second. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Folks, what the heck is going on with the FBI, the OIG, federal law enforcement? What is going on? I don't speak with forked tongue. I was a member of federal law enforcement as a GS-1811 in my prior line of work, and I can't imagine doing my job like this. The incompetence makes you question the motivations of the people in charge. Remember the uh, Office of Inspector General Michael Horowitz? Long story short, so I don't bore you to death on this. Michael Horowitz was an inspector general, kind of the internal affairs for the uh, federal government. Michael Horowitz was tasked with investigating the behavior of the FBI during their spying operation on Donald Trump. So you would think if he's kind of the internal affairs guy, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, that, oh, he's the watchdog, that the watchdog shouldn't need a watchdog, right? I mean, right. kind of a crazy idea. The watchdog should need it. Like, he's the watchdog. Well. There's always got to be a watchdog for a watchdog. After I saw this yesterday, I, 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 I'm sitting here scratching my head. So John Durham, the special prosecutor, who's looking into and looking, hopefully, to prosecute a lot of the people involved in this spying operation, released a filing yesterday. And he found out, let me read from this, that the special counsel's office, talking about Durham's office, learned for the first time in early January 2022 that the Office of Inspector General, the watchdog folks, currently possesses two FBI cell phones of the former FBI general counsel, talking about Jim Baker, to whom the defendant, they're talking about Sussman, the, uh, the DNC lawyer guy, made his alleged false statement along with forensic reports analyzing these cell phones. Since learning of the OIG's possession of these cell phones, the government's been working diligently to review their contents for discoverable materials. The government expects to make those materials available to the defense later this week. So just to sum this up for you, because it's, again, getting your arms around this stuff is getting increasingly difficult. The watchdog, OIG, Inspector General, supposed to be the internal affairs, eyes and ears of the people on the powerful, appears to have been hiding two phones that they got from the FBI general counsel, James Baker, who's knee deep in the spying can uh, spy, spygate scandal. They had these, were the, let me just be, were they hiding them? What happened here? How did you just give them up? Now you had two phones of Jim Baker, one of the grand dames of the spygate scandal. And you just turned them over now. Where were they? 
Were they logged into evidence? Did you lose them? I never get out ahead of my skis. I don't do what the left does. But folks, if this is what I think it may be, a deliberate effort to paint Horowitz as the mop-up man, to clean up and make things go away rather than doing actual watchdog work, then the situation's far worse than even I believed in the past. And that's saying a lot because I didn't believe much about these people's credibility anymore. Moving on, Lee Smith has a really terrific piece if you'd like to read it. It'll be in my newsletter today, Bongino.com slash newsletter. I strongly encourage you to check it out. He asks a really bold question. Now, Lee Smith, along with John Solomon and Sarah Carter and Greg Jarrett and others, has been way ahead of the information curve when it comes to any of the Spygate stuff. He has a fascinating piece up in Tablet that you really, really should check out. Again, it'll be in my newsletter today. The title of the piece, if you want to go direct, that's great too. What does Vladimir Putin have on Joe Biden? He says, Joe and Hunter Biden's seedy involvement in Ukraine may have given the Russian leader all the compromise he needs to keep America at bay. But he asks a bold question here, folks, that I've heard someone else ask in the past, but he nails it in this piece. You ready for this? He's ready. <laughs> He's paying attention. Joe, you ready? Ready. Was the Clinton disinformation scandal, i.e. the dossier, you know, targeted at Donald Trump, right? The Clinton operation to take down Trump. Was it originally targeted at Joe Biden? Now, 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 time out, T.O. T.O., baby, T.O. Let's go under the hood for review here. It's an NFL game here. College, I hate the NFL. <laughs> Why would Hillary Clinton want to target Joe Biden? Well, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, there was a lot of locker room talk pre-2016 election that Joe Biden was going to enter the race. Of course, at that time, Joe Biden was what? The vice president of the United States under Obama, which would have put Obama in a really bad spot. What? Forced to endorse someone other than his vice president? Listen to me when I'm telling you this, and anyone in the D.C. circuit will tell you nobody wanted Joe Biden to run. Everybody understood Joe Biden had a Hunter Biden problem. Hunter Biden had a Ukraine problem. Hunter Biden had a China problem. And Hunter Biden had a Moscow problem. Folks, every, listen to me, please. Everybody knew that. So Hillary Clinton, who is as devious as a human being, Hillary Clinton is the embodiment of evil. I'm telling you, she is as devious a human being. She never liked Joe Biden. They don't like each other. She wanted Joe Biden out in 2016. So there was a lot of winks and nods, if you know what I mean, within Democrat circles to media people, you know, they're, they're, they're butt kissing acolytes. Hey, you may want to run this story about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Ukraine and China and Moscow. So Lee Smith asked the bold question, quote, given the amount of genuinely compromising material, Tying Joe Biden and his son to shady dealings in Ukraine and Russia, including a $3.5 million payment Hunter received from the widow of the former mayor of Moscow, it's worth asking if the 46th president of the United States was the initial target of the Hillary Clinton-funded Russia dossier. Mm. Oh, 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 baby, is that a question? Is that a pregunta or what? In fact, 
he goes on, allegations about the Biden's activities in Ukraine, sourced in part, it seems, to the Clinton campaign, made their way into the New York Times in 2015. Wow. When the primary season was going on for the 2016 election. Weird. Encouraging Biden to dispel second thoughts about re-entering the 2016 race. <laughs> A lot of people didn't. Nice job, Lee Smith. Now, read the piece. He goes into a little more detail. I don't want to just read the whole thing to you on the air. But here's one of the takeaways. He brings up a fascinating point we've brought up a lot. Uh, I shouldn't say I don't want to sound like I'm taking credit for his connection. I'm just talking about this specific point. Anyone who knows Donald Trump, us included, knows Donald Trump is a serious germaphobe. <laughs> he is. It's not a mystery. Anyone who's been around him knows it, right? He's he's like addicted to a sanitizer on his hands. He's a germaphobe. He doesn't like dirt and germs. Why do I bring that up? Because when sane people like me and Joe and others, when we were covering this story, heard this story about the pee-pee tape that Trump was in a hotel in Moscow and paid prostitutes to pee on a bed that it's a disgusting story. I'm sorry to have to repeat it, but you need to understand the details. The deets matter here. We listen to the story, Joe. And I mean, you go back and listen to our podcast and we were like, this is the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard. The guy would freak out. He'd have to take a bleach bath afterwards. Like it's, it's just stupid. Like nobody actually believed that. Right. Right. So Lee asked a pretty bold question. Was that story initially a Hunter Biden story? Where when they realized Joe Biden was going to drop out of the 2016 race and Donald Trump was a problem, they were like, hey, hey, just replace the name Hunter Biden with Donald Trump. We can't let all this good research go to waste. Interesting question. Lee makes a very compelling case. And make no mistake, whether that part is true or not, I don't know. If the when I say that part, I mean the Hunter Biden name being erased. Hunter Biden was peed on his part, which could be, a, I mean, could be a true story, right? No one, no one would question that. But, oh, yeah, it makes sense, right? Crossing that out and just put Donald Trump in there. I don't know. But the fact that Hillary Clinton's team was winking and nodding to the media about Joe Biden's shady ties to Hunter in Ukraine in 2015 is, is, no, is no longer in any doubt. They did it to force Biden out from jumping into that race. That's a fact. That we know. Just when I thought I was out. One hundred. <laughs> <They really laughs> <back in>. True. <laughs> Pull me back. Yeah. True. This is. A, it's just a fascinating premise. Lee sent me the article the other day, and as I read through it, I'm like, "This is so good. Check that out." Okay, here's what I got coming up: the uh, most ridiculous appearance by an Obama national security official in the media I've ever heard, and he totally forgets what he's saying as he's saying it. He's like, "Oh, border." Oh, sorry. Did I just say borders? That's a buzzword. I'll get to that in a second and show you the nonsense here, the contrast. You'll love this. Today's show brought to you, as you always hear in the beginning of the show, by ExpressVPN. What if there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day? It'd be creepy, right? What if I told you, well, that's exactly what happens every time you go online. Your internet provider is allowed to store logs of every website you've ever visited, and they can legally sell this data to anyone. That's why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. 
Now, many of you probably are wondering, well, if it's routing all my data to a VPN, then doesn't that just mean the VPN can see what I'm doing and log my data instead? Well, you're absolutely right to think that. Many VPNs claim to have a no-logs policy, but have been caught logging customer activity. ExpressVPN is the only VPN we use and trust here because they use trusted server technology. They were the first major VPN provider to engineer all of their VPN servers to run in RAM. It makes it impossible for the VPN servers to store any data, including logs of any ExpressVPN customer. And you don't have to take my word for it or ExpressVPNs, folks. ExpressVPN is so confident in their no logs claim, they even had one of the biggest assurance firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers, audit their technology. It's no wonder that The Verge named ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. Stop letting people keep logs of what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Bongino right now. And find out how you can get three months free. That's ExpressVPN, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, VPN, expressvpn.com slash Bongino, expressvpn.com slash Bongino to learn more. Thanks, ExpressVPN. This is just, uh, you know, we do sometimes brief moments of comedy relief. This is tragic comedy because none of this is really funny. But, you know, when you see how, how dopey and silly these people are, if you don't laugh, sometimes you'll cry. Here is a video of a deputy national security advisor to the Obama administration on CNN talking about the, you know, Joe, we really, really need a sense of defendable, definable borders. This is extremely important. Yeah. You're like, wait, wait, the Biden administration is saying that? Yeah, yeah, just make sure you pay attention to what country he's talking about. Check this out. Why should Americans care about what's happening in Ukraine? Uh, because it, it goes to a very fundamental principle of of all nations, which is that our borders uh, should be inviolate, that our sovereignty uh, should be respected. Yeah. This, I mean, you just like you, you. Really? A fundamental principle of all nations that borders should be inviolate. Let's play video hat tip Bill Malugin from Fox News. Let's play if you if you can't please watch this. I'm begging you to watch this, right? Rumble.com slash Bongino if you want to see the video. You can hear it kind of too a little bit. It's only about 10 seconds long. But this is video of Brownsville where people in the country illegally violating our supposedly inviolate borders, right? Violating our borders, being just mass released into the country by Bill Malugin from Fox. Check this video out. So just to be clear, if that was a video, guys, of Russian army regulars walking into Ukraine, we would do something about it. We would send what? Military equipment over? But given that it's a video of, of foreign nationals who are not citizens of the United States entering the country illegally, no one does anything. It goes around Twitter. Conservatives like us talk about it. And the Biden administration, apparently, not only do they recognize their heresy, not only do they recognize their stupidity and their hypocrisy, they don't care. They're like double-barreled, family-friendly, middle figure to America. We're going to go out and defend a wag-the-dog moment in Ukraine, trying to distract from our horrifying domestic agenda. We're going to use borders as a reason why the borders here don't matter at all. Here's the good news. Because in these tragically comedic stories, and I do mean tragically, right? Because this is a tragedy. Folks, they are in real, 
real trouble. I, 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 I'm not trying to pull some, again, Pollyanna moment. Oh, it's all going to be good. I'm not telling you it's all going to be good. I'm not even telling you we haven't reached rock bottom yet. But I'm telling you the bottom's near. And America, I am an optimist. We have always recovered, always, from these dreadful moments where we hit the bottom of the valley. Always. I am not trying to spin your wheels. We are not stupid. Yes, we have stupid people. That doesn't make the country stupid. Every country has stupid people. We have enough good people to save this place. We always have. And I'm convinced, based on real numbers, presidential approval, and most importantly, I saw an article in the National Journal. We don't have it in the show today because it's too long, but it's about the Senate field for the Democrats, how the Democrats thought this year, 2022, was going to be a golden year to take back control for maybe a decade of the Senate. Because remember, those seats are six-year terms, and they're stunted. The House is up every two years. The Senate, they're in classes. Only a third of the Senate turns over every, uh, every two years. They are terrified. The polls in New Mexico, the polls in Colorado, the polls in New Hampshire, states the Democrats thought they had in the bag for these U.S. Senate races. These are six-year terms. Thought they had in the bag are now either neck and neck or Republicans leading. They are in real trouble. So hold the fort, get involved, get involved in your local Tea Party, Libertarian, or good Republican groups. Donate to your candidates. Stay away from these central organizations. Act, be an activist. Get out there and show up. We can take this thing back. I'm telling you they're in real trouble. What I just showed you, the Democrats don't care. They are going to double down on stupid, but the same people in this country do. All right. I don't want to, again, I don't want to get too Pollyanna-ish because I don't want you to think I'm spinning your wheels, but I'm sure everything's about to turn around. So on my Fox show Saturday night, again, new time, uh, nine o'clock uh, Saturday night, I am going to be doing, I always say it's one of my favorite monologues, but I like, we, we put a lot of show prep and time into it. These guys can testify to it. We spend hours on the phone, me and my great production team, Sabrina, Will, Kirsten, Nico, Joey, Katie. Um, they're all really Julia when she helps us out. They're all really terrific. We put a lot of work into it. We go back and forth. We kick around ideas. We are going to do a monologue this week that is super important. It is about the Great Reset. No, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's terminology the left uses for literally a Great Reset. They want to reset in a great way. It's not a figurative term, okay? Well, maybe it is, okay? You know, I hate misuse of those terms. The Great Reset is real. It's this idea communists and socialists and tyrants have had forever of a year zero concept. And the only way to get people to start at year zero, in other words, forget your past, forget the past of the United States, tear down the statues and start at year zero. The reason they prefer the Great Reset and a year zero is because people are moldable if they don't have an attachment to an objective set of ideas. Wait, I have rights. There's a constitution. People fought and died for it. They fought the British Empire at the time. They don't want you to understand any of that. You get that? They want you to come into the training academy on day one with what they consider, with air quotes, no prior bad behaviors, right? I think of the story all the time when I went through Fletzy, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, right? Learning how to be a federal agent. I remember the firearms guy telling me, the firearms instructor saying there's nothing we hate more than people who come in here with firearms experience. I was like, really? That doesn't make any sense. He's like, no, a lot of them come in here, not all, but a lot of them come in here with 
piss poor firearms habits. He says, so then we have to break them down of their bad habits to retrain them in good ones. And it's double the work. True story. That's how the Democrats, that's how the Democrats and the tyrants, the totalitarians they become, view the citizenry of the United States. When you come in with bedrock values, your families taught you faith, freedom, God, big R, God-given rights, the Constitution, the American heroes who fought for freedom around the world and for liberation here from the British Empire. You believe those are your rights. People died for them. You're not giving them up easily. That's, they hate that. That's what the Great Reset in year zero is. Dump every one of that. Dump, do, a, do a cleansing like the men in black thing. Yeah, this is what they want. That's what year zero is. It's divorcing you from any set of values you had so that they can impart upon you a new set of values. And those values are this. You better kiss the government's ass because they're the source of everything in your life. But in order to do that, they have to both control people because they can't let people do what they want to do, which is pass that history on to their kids. You can't let that happen. You have to control them. So control is always going to be number one. It's always been about control. And number two is controlling the information stream. That's why the left has this new love affair with big tech censorship. Not Notice I didn't say censorship. They've always loved censorship, the left. Big tech censorship because big tech is relatively new. Over the last two decades, we've seen an explosion, Facebook, Twitter, and Google, in their ability to control the public discourse. If they don't control that and they don't control the people behind them, there's no way to start at year zero because people are going to go back and teach their kids the Constitution, the value of God, and that government isn't the primary force in their life, and then the whole thing falls apart. Here, here's what I mean. This is perfect. These stories are all related, although they don't seem so. Here's Jen Psaki yesterday, Peppermint Patty, up at the podium, right? And Peppermint is really upset that Ron DeSantis from Florida, Ron DeSantis has these state monoclonal antibody centers. We talked about it yesterday. I got them, the antibodies, that have been working near miraculously to keep people out of the hospital. So Jen Psaki, the Biden administration, and the FDA have now pulled the use for these antibodies. In other words, I guess wanting people to suffer? I don't know. What is this about? What does this have to do with this great reset? It is about softening you up to show you who the boss is. They can't stand it that the citizens of Florida elected a governor that instituted a policy of state distribution centers for a treatment that works. They just can't stand That is out of their control. and They hate it. So here's Saki trying to explain, no, 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 we're doing it now. Shut up, you little lemmings. We're taking control. Check this out. The FDA yesterday withdrew the EUA for some monoclonal antibody treatments because they don't work against Omicron. But Florida continues to push for the treatment for people in the state. What's your response to Governor Santis and what's your message to the people of Florida? Well, let's just take a step back here just to realize how crazy this is a little bit. Um, we've approached uh, COVID treatments like filling a medicine cabinet. We're not relying on one type, one brand or treatment. We invested in and continue to buy a variety across monoclonal antibodies, pre-exposure prevention therapies and oral antivirals. We have provided 71,000 doses of antivirals to Florida, including 34,000 additional treatments that do work against Omicron just this last week. I'm sorry, about of a range of those treatments, I should say, to be clear. What the FDA is making clear is that these treatments, the ones that they are fighting over, that the governor is fighting over, do not work against Omicron, and they have side effects. That is what the scientists are saying. <laughs> Folks, 
It sounds like Saki. If you go back, you can rewind it on your platform. Listen to it again and replace antibodies with the vaccine. She could be given the same speech. There are side effects to side effects. There are side effects to the vaccine, right? Everybody knows about what they can be. It may not happen to you. They may be limited in some cases, but there are side effects, right? Same thing applies to, do they not? And then also the vaccines with the CDC's already acknowledged are not effective against transmitting, stopping the transmission of Omicron. It's the same thing. But notice how she just seamlessly promotes the vaccine and, you know, craps on the antibody treatment. Why? Because this has nothing to do with vaccines and has nothing to do with antibodies. It has everything to do with the idea they are now pushing using this coronavirus pandemic that you should get used to government control. They have two approved narratives. And did you find it awfully convenient that they both involve government control? Wear your mask. No evidence that works. Second, take your vaccine. No evidence that stops Omicron. It doesn't matter. The common variable to both of those is the government tells you what to do. Now, showing you that control is number one and the control of information is number two. Check out this video. Here is our Surgeon General in name only, a disgraced human being, Vivek Murthy, who should be embarrassed to be in this position right now. Yes, talking about, this is supposedly the Surgeon General, one of the lead healthcare officials in the public healthcare bureaucracy, talking about healthcare? No. Um, just hinting that Joe Rogan should be censored. Not, not even hinting, just outright saying it, basically. Here, check this out. I know when it comes to how we root out the misinformation in society right now and give people access to actual inf accurate information, we've got to do several things. Number one, we've got to recognize that our technology platforms, whether in particularly social media, these have a, an important role to play. These are the predominant places where we're seeing misinformation spread. Uh, these platforms have still not stepped up to do uh, the right thing and do enough, I should say, to reduce the spread of misinformation information. But each of us also has a role to play here because we all have platforms. And particularly if you're somebody who has a large following, whether you're an entertainer, a politician in the media, it's your, your responsibility, all of our responsibilities to make sure that we are thoughtful in what we are sharing. Uh, this is not just about entertainment. It's not just about uh, garnering clicks. This is about people's lives. And we have seen time and time again that misinformation costs people their lives. Uh, so, you know, we all have a, this is not just about what government can do. This is about companies and individuals recognizing that the only way we get past misinformation is if we are careful about what we see and we use the power that we have to limit the spread of that misinformation. Uh, that's going to be a critical part of how we get through this pandemic. This is really astonishing. The Surgeon General of the United States talking not about health care, but speaking openly about censoring opinions on on uh, on health care, treatment. Health. This is stunning to see. But when you understand the Great Reset and the two variables it needs to turn you back to year zero and make you molds of clay they can mold, they have to disconnect you from any truth and attachment to the past. So they have to control you. Control, number one. Number two, the control of information and the censorship uh, brigade. It makes perfect sense. What better way to build a moldable uh, mound of clay than to stop them from, being, from letting anyone else mold that mound of clay and just only liberal ideas are allowed? I got another story coming up on this in a minute, uh, just showing you how prevalent this great reset year zero idea is with the left. They are all in right now on censorship, all in. 
And let me just tell you, I am all in on freedom and liberty. I had a debate yesterday on my show yesterday about showing you how these people are just really not bright when it comes to this stuff. So again, on this great reset, it's all about control of the mind, control of people and control of information. Here's a fascinating story I'd like you to check out in the newsletter today. Axios, America's kids get an internet librarian, Erica Pandy. What is this story about? Remember NewsGuard? I've been warning you about NewsGuard. NewsGuard is an operation out there whose sole purpose appears to be to attack conservative websites and make sure that they are lowered in the ranking for search engines so you can't see them. They rank sites according to their uh, you know, credibility, but it's fascinating because their credibility standards seem to measure left-leaning sites as credible and right-leaning standards as not. NewsGuard, Randy Weingarten from uh, one of America's most powerful teachers' unions, they are engaging in a licensing agreement with NewsGuard to teach uh, news guarding to your kids in grammar school. Ladies and gentlemen, pull your kids out of public school as soon as you possibly can. Now they are going to teach your kids that the PP hoax and Spygate and the Russian collusion hoax, don't worry about that stuff, but definitely, definitely don't talk about a vaccine online because that's misinformation. This is real trouble. The Great Reset, I'm telling you, they have thought this thing through. They are not stupid. NewsGuard is a joke of a site. Look at how they gauge sites. People like me who broke the Spygate scandal from the start and wrote books with massive numbers of citations on it are deemed not credible, while places like the New York Times and Washington Post discredited hack sites and have humiliated themselves over and over are deemed the scions of truth and justice. Yeah, you're darn right that's a monthly. They're going to be used. The NewsGuard clown site is going to be used in your kid's school to teach your kids how to read journalism. Pull your kids out of these failed institutions immediately. Or you're going to be dealing with people like these idiots. You see this Occupy Democrats tweet? These are the people, the healthcare is a right people on the left. Breaking, a 31-year-old father is denied a heart transplant for refusing to get vaccinated because organs are scarce and shouldn't go to someone with a poor chance of surviving. When the common cold can kill after surgery. We retweet if you support the hospital making the tough call. Oh, it, dude. It, it, so you got a 31-year-old guy who we have no idea why he's vaccinated or not, none. And these sick bastards at Occupy Democrats think it's funny here that he's not going to get a heart transplant and will probably die. The guy's 31. And they're proud of this. They want you to retweet it if you support the hospital for doing this. Keep in mind, these are the same psychopath nut jobs who will tell you in another tweet that healthcare is a right. It is. If it's a right, it confers an obligation on someone else. That's what a right is, correct? Rights and obligations means the hospital will be obligated to fulfill that right or else it's not a right, right? So it is a right, but it's only not a right if you disagree with someone getting the vaccine or not. What about smokers? Should they get lungs? What about drinkers? Should they get a liver? What about people who don't eat healthy? What about them? Should they be given anything? What about them? What about obese people? Should they be given anything? What about people who've contracted a sexually transmitted disease? Should they be treated if they refuse to stop engaging in the behavior? Just asking a question. And the Democrats wondering why in generic polls they're down by double digits now. You really want to be part of this disgusting movement that wants people to die? 
pulling antibody treatments, denying people heart transplants. You really want to be a part of this? If you do, I want no part of you. All right, uh, let me end on this story. There's no uh, elements for it, but um, I'm kind of torn over something, and I need your help analyzing this. I don't claim to know it all. So the Hall of Fame came out yesterday. For those of you who aren't baseball fans, they have a baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. I've been there many times, and it's reserved these plaques on the wall for the greatest players in baseball history. Uh, It's judged by the Baseball Writers Association who gets in and who doesn't. So yesterday, we found out that David Ortiz, big poppy from the uh, Boston Red Sox, got in. But that's not the story, really. The story is who didn't get in. And I believe it was their last shot. Uh, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. And one of the reasons uh, the baseball writers typically give for this is because Barry Bonds and Clemens were accused of uh, using performance-enhancing drugs, notably uh, steroids and things like that, were were accused of that. And so they're kept out. Now, a lot of you may be saying, well, Dan, it's a ground ball. I mean, if if they did do that and those those substances were against the rules, they broke the rules, they shouldn't get in. All right. My problem with it, though, is this. You know, there are a lot of really bad guys in the Hall of Fame who made a lot of really bad decisions. I mean, I'm not going to go through the litany of names, but some of these old-time baseball players were some pretty shady cats. Uh They're in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not suggesting pro or con. I'm really torn. That's why I'm asking you. I'm throwing it out to the audience. Maybe this is something you can respond back to me and, you know, help me think it through. I I really need your help. And the problem I have with it as well is if so many people were taking steroids in the juice era where they were, I mean, it was just these random samples. There were tons of people taking steroids in the major in major league baseball. Doesn't that mean the pitchers were taking steroids too? So if the pitchers were taking steroids and bonds was, uh, you know, was say involved in this as well, then who really had the advantage? I don't know. That's why, you know, I don't get out ahead of my skis on anything. I don't, uh, I don't like to throw random accusations out at anyone. Um, I'm just saying, I just say they did cheat. Bonds was a great player before these uh, steroid allegations popped. And Clemens was a great pitcher. I mean, it's not the Hall of Nice Guys. It's the Hall of Fame. Don't mistake my comments for advocating for it. You know, cheating is cheating. And if they broke the rules, they broke the rules. The question is, a lot of people broke the rules. I mean, what about the Astros players with the sign scandal? How do you know? Are they going to be kept from the Hall of Fame? I mean, did you get a sign it was going to be a curveball, not a fastball? I mean, did your batting average go up because of it? What about the managers in the Hall of Fame who had players on their team who were on steroids? How are they in there? They benefited, did they not? I'm just asking a question. If we're going to enforce that standard... Why not? And remember on the Hall of Fame, if you go there and you read their plaques in the Hall of Fame, there's a little narrative below the plaque. Why not put them in the Hall of Fame and then underneath the plaque, talk about the scandal? I don't know. It's a tough question. I'm really torn over it, genuinely. So uh, let me know. I'd love to know how you feel. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, thanks again. Bongino.com slash LLS. If you'd like to make, make a donation to the Leukemia and Lymphoma uh, Society, we are Almost there. It's not one of those things where you set a false deadline. And, oh, look, we're almost there. And then you change it. We really did have a quarter million dollar mark. We're almost there. We really appreciate it. We would, it's an amazing amount of money. Thank you very much. Bongino.com slash LLS. I'll see you on the radio show later. You just heard Dan Bongino.